I've been a dreamer and I've been a dyer. It's far more fun to dream than it is to die. All right, before we read Genesis 15, we're going to look at the dream maker today. Before we read Genesis 15, I always need, I need to say this over and over and over. The Bible is a book about God. If you're going to learn about God, you got to read the Bible and he's going to show you what he's like in here. The Bible's a book about you. It embarrasses me at how much this book knows about me. Do you know the book of James said the Bible is the mirror where a man looks into and he sees his own face, his real face. But the Bible's a book about life. The secrets to life on this planet are in this book right here. We just got to see it. And today we're going to look at the dream maker from Genesis chapter 15. Would you do me a favor today? Would you learn about God from his word and what it says today? If you see something in the Bible today, all right, follow me carefully. If you see something in the Bible today that teaches you about God, and it's different from what you've known in the past, would you throw away what you used to know and take what he shows you in his word? That's, good. That's important right there. Genesis 15, 1. All right. Then the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Time out. <clears throat> you know who Abram is? His name was later changed to Abraham. But he was a man who lived in a place called Ur of Chaldees. He lived in, and, and this was years ago, and the country he lived in they had no God. They'd never heard of God. He'd never heard of God. He didn't know a God existed. And he's just living his little life. He's a very wealthy man. He's a, he's a herder, rancher. He's got a wife. Uh, her name's Sarah, uh, Sarai at the time. And uh, he's just living his life in a place they'd never heard of God. All of a sudden, God just walks up to him and appears to him. And he speaks to him. Let's see what he said. Genesis 15, 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. The Bible's a book about God. Let's learn about him from that verse right there. And he's never seen God in his life. He's never even, it's never crossed his mind that there is a God. All of a sudden, God walks up to him and he says, you don't need to be afraid of me. I am your shield. I'll take care of you. But what's the third thing he said? This is the big one. I am your exceeding great reward. You know what a reward is? We got some folks in our county got a reward on their heads. If you can go find them, take them to the sheriff, they'll give you some money. <laughs> a reward is something you get that somebody gives you. He didn't say, I'm your reward. He didn't say, I'm your great reward. He said, I am your exceeding great reward. So how'd God describe himself? You don't need to be afraid of me. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to do great big things for you. I am your reward. I'm going to reward you. Is that the God you know? That you don't need to be scared of messing up? He takes care of you, and he's going to do great big things for you. Let's learn from the Bible. Now, you want to see something hip? I'm sorry. You want to see something profound? Watch what the Bible says here. Now, listen to him. It's the first time a guy's ever heard of God, and God says this to him. I'm asking a question. What would you say? If you'd never heard, if he walked up to you and he said that to you, what would you say? Would you worship? Would you sing? Would you thank him? What would you say? Read what Abraham said to him in verse two. <clears throat> Abram said, Lord God, what you going to give me? Uh, let me? Let me go ahead and get down the road and let you know something. God likes this guy a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Only man in the Bible God called his friend. He gave him the title, Romans chapter two. He was called the friend of God by God. God likes this guy right here. When I find a guy in the Bible that God really likes, I want to learn some things. 
So he says to him, I'm your exceeding great reward. And instead of saying praise, you thank you. He said, what you going to give me? What will you give me? Well, doesn't it make sense? If somebody comes to you and says, I'm going to give you something, wouldn't you say, what? He says, well, what are you going to give me? And then in the most, this is such a wonderful interchange. This man immediately opens his heart to God like he probably has nobody ever before. And look what he said to him. They just met him a few minutes ago. Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. What's the first thing? He said, what are you going to give me? He said, you know, I don't have a child. Now in that culture, not to, for a man not to have a son was devastating. He said, and by the way, he was very rich, uh, loaded. And he said, this guy that he wasn't a slave. He, was a, this, he said, the guy that works for me is going to get everything I've got. I don't have a son. Verse three, he went on a little bit and he said, Abram said, look, you've given me no offspring. This guy born in my house is, is going to be my heir. He opens his heart immediately to God. He said, he said I'm going to do great things for you. And he said, uh, what you going to do? He said, you know, I don't have a child. Well, listen, listen, he's 85 years old now. You want one at that age? He said, 85 didn't have a child. He said, you've never given me a child. I'm a, everything I've got is going to go to some guy that works for me. Let me point something out. This man's called the friend of God. This is how friends talk to each other. We need to learn something here. All right, verse four. Let's learn more about God here. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir. One will come from your own body shall be your heir. I wonder if he's still standing after he heard that. <laughs> the problem was not that he was 85. Junior Johnson pulled it off. The problem was that the girl he was married to was 75. Ain't nobody ever pulled that off. And he said, and God just speaks to him. He says that he's not going to be your heir. You're going to have a son. And I'm sure he didn't say anything for a little bit. Watch this. Let's learn something about God. Verse five. He brought him outside and said, look now toward the heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. He said, apparently they were indoors, weren't they? So he gets him by the arm. He says, come, come on out here. They go outside. Now remember, this was before electricity. I don't know what you see when you look up. You don't see many stars because of ground clutter. No electricity. Thousands and thousands were like these lights right here if you look up. He sees all those stars and he said, he said count them if you can. And there was a hesitation there. He said, he's just staring at those stars. And you know, he's wondering, wondering why he's got me looking at these stars, but big as he is, I ain't asking. <laughs> and he's just staring at the stars, just counting them. All of a sudden he hears, hears him speak again and he said, that's how many children you're going to have. So shall be your heirs. That's how many children you're going to have. He just met him six minutes ago, 10 minutes ago. I mean, just met, never even heard of God. All of a sudden, God comes to him and he says, I'm going to take care of you and do big things for you. He says, what are you going to do? He said, you know, I, I've always wanted a son. He wasn't asking for a son. He knew it was too late to have one. He was just saying, if, if you're going to do so much, I wish you'd been here years earlier. He says, come with me. Then go out there and he's staring at the stars. And then he says, that's how many children you've got. This will be your offspring. And you'll see one of the greatest verses in the Bible. Let, let me, well, let's do this. Pause. What would you say? Let's read this. Verse six. And he believed in the Lord. It's one of the greatest verses in the Bible. He believed what God said. 
he, I don't know what he said to him. We don't hear what he said to him, but he, he was bound to turn and said, yeah, or you're right. But we do this. He believed God. One of the greatest verses in the Bible. Now, <clears throat> I want to help you with something here. Uh, to do it, we need to turn to, by the way, this is the father of the faith. And we're talking about faith today, dreams and faith. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We got to settle something here. I've heard people describe what faith is. And I thought, where did you find that at? I've heard preachers describe it and think you're lost as a ball in high weeds. If you're going to learn what faith is, guess where you should look? How about the Bible? Let's go back to the Bible. Don't you ever define faith anyway, except the way God defines it. And it's in Hebrews chapter 11. There's one verse in the Bible that always defines faith. Hebrews chapter 11, and it's verse one. Now faith is. Dear ones, this is where you learn what faith is. What's the word now mean? Does it mean back in Abraham's day or does it mean now? Any, any linguistic in here? Now means now. Now faith is what? The substance of things hoped for. Anybody here hoping for anything? Is anybody in here hoping for anything down the road? Is anybody looking ahead? What are you hoping for? Is anybody hoping for like better health? Is anybody hoping for your family to be healed? Is anybody hoping for your kids to get saved and do better? Is anybody hoping to be able to pay your bills comfortably and not have to struggle so much? Is anybody here hoping to be happy someday? If you can't hope, you can't have faith. Why can you not have faith without hope? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. You can't have faith till you have hope. All right, I want you to listen to this. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Let me read it to you from a different version. Faith is what gives substance to things you're hoping for. Let me read it from another one. Faith is what takes the things you're hoping for and makes them real. That's what faith is. Somebody take a wild guess at what this old man was still wishing for, even though he knew it was too late. He wanted a son worse than anything on this earth. Some of you want different things, worse than anything on this earth. Katie and I were sitting in a restaurant last Sunday after the service over at the Graham Soda Shop. I'm not allowed to advertise for businesses, but that's a good place to eat. We're sitting over at the Graham Soda Shop. And a lady came over, a wonderful lady, we were talking to her. And she said, she looked at my wife and she said, uh, if I, if I could have a man that would love me like your husband loves you, she said, that would make my life content. I'd be so happy. I said, you, you might ought to talk to her. <laughs> what, what was she hoping for? She wasn't hoping for me. She, she needs to go a little higher and hope for a man that would love her like Christ loves the church. That'd be good right there. All right. But she, she, she's hoping for something. Everybody's got this stuff down here. Everybody's got something down here that they... We're not just cows. We don't just graze, fart, and go back in the pen. There's more to life. Cut that. There's something in the human heart that wants to do more than just eat and burp and exist. People got dreams. People got hopes down here. We're living in a day where hopes are being crushed. But you, you, you got to get your hope back before you can even start to have faith, don't you? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is what gives substance of things hoped for. And I want to ask you something. I was taught wrong when I was a young man about God. I, went to, I was drugged to church a little bit as a kid. And then I went to church and I went to some bad churches. And let me tell you what they taught me. God's mad and you're in trouble. 
And what God wants you to do is quit smoking, cussing, drinking, listening. to. He, he wants you to quit doing everything you enjoy. That's what I was told. And that seemed like a bum deal to me. <clears throat> All right. Is that really what he's like? If you want to learn what God's like, you got to look in the Bible. Read verse six with me. The two great verses, Hebrews 11, one, Hebrews 11, six. Hebrews 11, six says this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. What's he looking for? Somebody tell me what God loves. Tell me what he longs for. When God walked on this earth, Jesus Christ, when he walked on this earth, what was he always asking people for? Do you believe I can do this for you? He was always looking for faith. He said, do you have faith that I can do this for you? Listen to me. The one thing your father's looking for is faith. He's a faith God and he loves it. That's why he longs for it. Now, tell me what faith is. Let's read it. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who walks with God, knows God, comes to God, whatever you want to say, has to do two things. What are the two things you have to do? You must believe that he exists. How many of you believe there's a God? All right, you got number one down pat. It's number two we struggle with in the church. He must believe he exists. What's the next one? And he is a rewarder. You don't just have to believe God exists. You got to believe that man's going to do something for me. I thought I was supposed to serve the Lord. Read it again. I'm going to do something for you. He is a rewarder of those who seek him. During you, you got to, I've had, right, now let me just cancel something. I've had people say to me, well, brother Brian, you know, they're praying for a situation. We know the Lord can do anything. Let me make an announcement. That's as useless as a screen door on a submarine. That ain't no, that'll do you no good whatsoever to believe he can do anything. The devil knows that, my God, have mercy. Believing he can do anything is worthless. That's not faith. Faith is when you believe he's going to do it for me. There's a big difference in believing he can do something and saying he's going to do this for me. Abraham didn't believe that God could make a baby. He believed he was going to make him one. Big difference. He's a rewarder of those who seek him diligently. I don't know if you ever thought about this. Let me point some out about Abraham. Abraham's one of the great men in world history and one of the great men in the Bible. I mean, he's right up there with all the greats. Matter of fact, he's the only man in the Bible that God gave three different titles to. God called him in Romans chapter two, he called him the friend of God. You know, you think a lot of somebody when you say, this is my friend. God called him the father of faith. And then God called him the father of us all. Gave him those three titles in the Bible. Let me ask you a question. What did Abraham ever do? I know the other great men. I know what they did. David was one of the great conquering kings and he, he led Israel in its greatest day as the greatest king that ever lived. And he wrote the Psalms. Uh, <clears throat> Moses, greatest world leader in human history. Human history and world history. Moses led two million slaves out and built a nation. Daniel was a great prophet. Nehemiah rebuilt a broken city. What did Abraham ever do? He wasn't a leader. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a king. He didn't. He was a rancher. He, he grew sheep and cattle. I'm not cattle, camels. He, what did he ever do? Matter of fact, he, if you read his history through the Bible, Abraham goofed up a lot. He, he, told, he had one of those beautiful wives in the world, told the king, said, she's not my wife. I bet that woman don't want a woman like Abraham loved his wife. What do you reckon? He got caught lying to the king. He wasn't a, he wasn't a perfect man. He made a lot of mistakes. Do you see anything great he did in the Bible? Mm-mm. 
then why has God called him one of the greatest men that ever lived? What's the only thing he ever did? He believed God. And that put him in the top ranks. Get it? You don't need to be a great conquering king. You don't need to be a great singer. You don't need to write songs. You need to start believing that what God says is going to happen to you. That's faith. That's when you believe that what he says is going to happen to you. It's exactly what he said was going to happen. Now, now I want to help you. Um, let me go ahead and cut straight to the end. In America and in our intellectual culture, yada, yada, maybe it's pseudo at times. We have this mindset and this attitude that when I see it, I'll believe it. That's our, that's our mindset in the church. I was talking with a fellow the other day and he said, you know, my kids in church said, I'm praying for him. said, it, it ain't looking no good, but I'm praying for him. And I, I just, sometimes I've had all I can take because my goal is to help people not play religious games. And I said, you've wasted every prayer you prayed and ain't no sense in you praying no more. Then that's not like something a preacher ought to be saying. <laughs> because he is in total unbelief. He doesn't believe God's going to do anything. He just sort of fire. He like, his prayers are like a blind man hunting blackbirds in the dark with a rifle. He's just firing off every which direction, hoping something hits. He didn't have, he didn't have faith to get an ass motorcycle halfway around a BB. He didn't have an ounce of faith. Dude, you can't just wait and see what happens. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And our, this mindset is, well, when I see it, I'll believe it. You're never going to see it. You know what faith says? I believe it, therefore I will see it. Faith has to believe it before you see it. Say amen one more time. I don't care what else you know or what else you do or how good you are, how often you go to church. If you can't believe God before it comes to pass, you can't walk with him. I told Abraham, you're going to have a child. He was 85 years old. She was 75. Does anybody know when it came? Nine months? How about 15 years later when he's 100 years old? 100 years old. He's on that walker. That was mine right there. What happened in that 15-year period? You better learn. This is what life is all about, right? This is what faith's all about. He heard God's promise. He believed him. For 15 years, he held on. He did not waver. And because he believed, came to pass. Let's get help with this. Turn with me to Romans chapter four. Let's learn how to do this. I just think it's, I just think it's humorous. 99 year old man goes into the baby's R Us store. <laughs> oh, I see you having a great, great, great grandson, huh? Don't even, just don't even argue with him people. I went into Tom Bailey's one day with my middle daughter. She was younger and walked to Ms. Bailey's. Oh, you got your little granddaughter with you, don't you? And I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Romans chapter four. Dear ones, God wrote this in the Bible to help me and you. This is talking about Abraham. And, and listen, the Bible, God holds him up and says, look at this man right here. He is the father of faith. Look at this man. Learn how to do what he did. He holds him up as a model for you and I. Romans chapter four, verse 18, he said this, who contrary to hope, in hope, believed. Can you do that? What does it mean contrary to hope? Let me ask you a question. Was it a hopeless situation? 
I mean, you're 85, she's 75, tried for years, gave up 30 years ago. Would you call that a hopeless situation? Do you have the ability to have hope when it looks like there's no hope? In hope against hope, go ahead and believe God. When it looks hopeless, can you still believe? You've been praying for your kids that they'll get their lives straightened out. You're believing God. You're not, you're not whining, saying, help them. You're saying, I praise you. My kids were not created for this. You created my kids to hear your voice. You created my kids with a plan and a destiny. You created my kids to love you and serve people. You created my kids to have abundant life. All my children will be taught of the Lord and great will be the peace of my children. I praise you and thank you that my children will be like olive plants all around my table. And you believe in God. And the phone rings and they got arrested. What do you do in that moment right there? I praise you and thank you that your word is going to come to pass. That's called in hope against hope you keep believing. You know what that's called? Faith. That's called faith. Let's go a little further. Verse 18, who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he became, can you, listen, come on guys. Can you not see that the only reason what God said came to pass was because in a hopeless situation, he kept believing he'd do what he said. Against hope, he had hope and he believed so that he became. You got to believe God, the father of nations, of many nations, according to what was spoken. I want to help you with something here. Verses 19 and 20 tell us, they help us. Verse 19, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body, it might as well as good as dead, or the deadness of Sarah's womb at a hundred years old. What's the word consider mean? What's consider mean? Sit around and think about it. Listen, he was not going to sit around and think about the impossibility of what's going on. Every time Sarah walked by, he wouldn't look at her. He got out of the shower. He wouldn't look at himself in the mirror. You know what it says? He wouldn't consider his own body. If he just sat around and stared at her, he couldn't have no faith at all either. Not he didn't want to weaken, notice the words, weaken faith. He didn't want to destroy his faith by staring at the way it looked. Then ones, quit staring at the way it looks. You'll never have faith. Quit listening to your intellect. Quit listening to your emotions. Quit listening to the report. Quit listening to what people say. So if I'm not going to do that, what am I going to do? Glad you asked. Next verse. Verse 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. That man had to make a decision. Do I stare at that old woman? Or do I go back outside and stare at the stars? Quit staring at what it looks like. Quit staring at what people say. Quit reading the report. Get in this book and listen to what he's got to say. Now I want to point something out. Did he wait till it came to pass to thank God and praise him and celebrate? Giving glory to God before it showed up. How many of you can praise him before it happens? This is the friend of God. This is what he holds up as a model. There's so much help right here. Verses 19 and 20 say this. Quit listening to what it sounds like. Quit thinking about what it looks like. Think about what God said is going to happen. I want you to look at two phrases in those two verses. Verse 19 has this phrase, weak in faith. Verse 20 has the phrase, strengthened in faith. You want to destroy your faith? Sit around and talk to your friends about how bad it is. You do not need to talk to some woman about how rotten marriage is when she's been married five times. What the heck are you talking to her for? You don't need to talk to your friends. 
You don't need to think about what's going on. You want to be strengthened in faith? You get your focus on what God said and you give him glory for what he said is going to come to pass. He did that for 15 years. 15 years he did that and it came to pass in his life. Now time out. Praise God for Abraham. Amen. I'm so happy for the man. I may even know this is in here for a reason. Let's look at the reason this is in the Bible. Look with me in chapter four, verse 23. It was not written for his sake alone. Verse 24, also for us, it shall be imputed to us who believe. What does that tell me right there? God put this in the Bible so you can do the same thing Abraham did. This isn't in here for Abraham. He'd been dead for years. This is in here for you. So you can do the same thing he did. So you can start, you got to let hope come alive again. Then you got to find the promise of God, match it with your hope. And then you got to start believing just like he did. You know what I hear God saying here? I want to reward you. I want to be good to you. I want to do big things for you. And listen, make it big. Then I just, I just, fellow told me the other day, said, I just want to pay my bills. And that's a good, that's good. He had a family, had young children. He wants to pay his bills. That's great. I'm glad. Why don't you go bigger than that? Why don't you pray and believe him to bless you so much financially that you can pay your bills, have an abundance, live comfortably and pay somebody else's bills. Come on guys, let's, let's, let's get our faith above rat level faith. I mean, it's great, but we, we've been taught, oh, I don't want to ask for much. Well, what do you think? You're stretching him? Like, like he's looking at Gabriel saying, we're running out for him. I ain't got nothing left up here. Where did we get this tiny little pathetic God that we just hope to creep through with? Listen, I learned things from people in the Bible. There's a guy in the Bible named Jabez. He's mentioned one time, only one verse in the Bible. I want you to listen to this. And said, Jabez prayed this prayer. I want you to listen to prayer he prayed. He said, bless me. I've heard preachers say, you just got these bless me people. I am one of them. If the man said, bless me, God tells me he's my exceeding great reward. Guess what I'm going to say to him? What you going to give me? Listen you, listen, you better knock that religious spirit off and you better get into God's word. Jabez, here's his prayer. He said, bless me, make me a blessing. I'm having to know if he blesses you and makes you a blessing, you got to have more than enough for you. What do we learn right there? God don't pass you to gravy so you can drown in it. He passes you to gravy so you can pass it on. Bless me and make me a blessing and let me do no harm. That's his entire prayer right there. Bless me. Make me a blessing. Let me do no harm. Listen to the next verse. And the prayer he prayed pleased the Lord and he answered it. Buddy, when I find a prayer that the Bible says pleases the Lord, guess what I do? Guess what I do? I pray this prayer all the time. Bless me. Bless me financially. Good health, relationships. And make me a blessing. Give me enough money so I can give some away. Give me money so I can help other people with it. Give me resources. Give me words to say to people. And then I always throw this one in too. Let me don't do nothing stupid today. Let me do no harm. I don't want to hurt anybody. There's something about our God. He likes that prayer right there. What are you going to do for me? Make it big so I can have something to give somebody else. And don't let me tear nothing up. Is that not his prayer? I get... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and confess my sins. 
when preachers rear back, I mean, they're, like, they're normal people. They talk like I do. And all of a sudden it comes time to pray. Dear Lord, wouldst that thou wouldst. And I'm going, where do you get this stuff from? Why don't you pray prayers like this? Bless me and make me a blessing to my family. Let my kids have the greatest dad in the world. What's wrong with that? How many of no kids need a daddy? That's a blessing to them and a role model to them and a friend to them and a help to them. Let, let my wife have a good man. Oh, you would dare pray that, would you? Elbow him, girls. Tell him, so this is your prayer from now on. Make me a blessing. And listen, listen, I'm not just talking about if an old lady has a flat tire, change it. My gosh, triple A can do that. Let's go bigger than that, Doc. Go big. Let's build somebody a home that doesn't have one. Let's drill water wells for kids that don't have clean water. You say, you know how much money that takes? Oh, well, you ain't seen his checkbook. Then was you need to get out of your checkbook, get in his checkbook. My dear friend Ken Helzer, 40 years ago, he left the rock and roll. He's making all kinds of money. Wanted to go and minister and help people. A little rough to start with. And if you know, the kingdom starts like a mustard seed. It can be small, a little rough. His wife came in one night. She said, we ain't gonna make it. She kept the books. She came in with the checkbook and some paper said, we ain't gonna make it. And he said, we're gonna make a decision right now. And he pulled the ottoman over and he took the checkbook and laid it on that ottoman. He took the Bible and laid it on the ottoman. He said, we're going to decide which one of them books we're going to listen to. We're going to listen to the Bible or the checkbook. If we're going to listen to the checkbook, I'm going back to work. We're going to get out of this stuff. If we're going to listen to the Bible, we're going to trust God and we're going to help people. She said, all right. He said, that ain't strong enough. It might get tough. I need stronger than that. She said, we're going to trust the Bible. And they did it. 40 years of blessing, tremendous blessing. Then you got to make a decision. Who are you going to listen to? You going to listen to your emotions? Let me make an announcement. Your emotions are full of crap. I'm sick. Your emotions lie. Uh, your emotion, I'm serious. Your emotions lie. You know how I know they do? You was all tore up last night. You find today somebody lying somewhere. This is some of the best preaching I ever heard. It's lying. You going to listen to your intellect? You going to listen to your head? Oh, that woman going to have a baby at 90 years old? What's your head say? <laughs> I keep throwing this out. I'm going to keep throwing it out. He will offend your head to test your heart to see if you'll believe him so he can do something great for you. That's all through the Bible. That's not just Abraham. You better listen to this word. We have got to get back to the word. And by the word, I don't mean the Ten Commandments. I mean the promises of God. Just as surely as he took that man outside and showed him the stars, he's going to do the same thing for you. He wants you to do the same thing. All right, this happened to me one time. <clears throat> Let me cut through here. By the way, we don't need to stare at the stars today. First Peter chapter one, excuse me, second Peter chapter one says, you got something better than the stars to stare at. Simon said in second Peter chapter one, God spoke to them, said, you got something better than the stars to stare at. You got the written promise of God right here in this book. And the Bible said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, this is better than him showing you the stars and speaking to you out loud. Simon said, I heard the audible voice of God, but the prophetic word of God is more certain. You understand that? This is better than having him speak to you out loud. That's what he said. All right, let me show you how this happened to me. One day he took me by the elbow. We didn't go outside, but he took me by the elbow and he said, I want to show you something. I want you to, show, I want you to see what he showed me. Turn with me to 3 John. Find a book of Revelation, turn back one page. You got a little tiny book called Jude, a little tiny book called Third John. 
Oh, I'm sorry. It's right after second John, which is right after. All right. Third John. He showed me something. I'm going to show you how this works. Let me show you how this works. Cause I want this to work in your life. I don't want you to just hope things just dragging along. I want you to be people of faith. I declare you are people of faith and God's going to do great things for you. Amen. And the dreams that you gave up on years ago, like Abraham did, we're going to dust them off and get them back out and hold them up before him. I want us to learn to pray prayers like this. What are you going to do for me? Does that, does that bother you? Does your religious training, does that mess you up? Guess where I got that prayer from? If that sounds greedy to me, it sounds like Genesis 15, 3 to me. Sounds like the man that pleased God to me. Sounds like how the friend of God talked to his friend to me. Let's pray prayers like that. Would you look with me in uh, 3 John? He took me to this verse one day specifically. Now you can claim anything in here, but the Spirit of God took me to this when he showed it years ago. Here's what he said. 3 John verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health as your soul prospers. Now, now uh, the word pray is not the best translation there. It should read like this. I desire. Who's the I in that verse right there? So it's John. It is not John. John penned it. God wrote it. I desire that you, guess what the word you means? Somebody tell me what the word you means. Okay, three of you down front know what you means. You means you. I desire that you may do three things. I want you to prosper in everything you put your hand to. I want you to be in health. But here's the big one. I want your soul to prosper. But now let me make, in, the, in the original light, they're in inverted order. They have to come in the reverse order. You can't prosper in all things till you prosper on the inside in your soul. Pro, soul prosperity is first. And I read that and I said, my intellect said, that looks weird right there. And my religion kicked in and then I kicked it out. And you know what I just said to him? I believe you. I believe you. I don't feel a thing. There ain't no angel dust being sprinkled on me right now. I'm not vibrating. I just said with my mouth, I believe you. It didn't come the next day, but I found out what it was and it took time. All right, the first one is your soul's got a problem. You know what soul prosperity is? You find that in Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God's not eating and drinking. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's when the Holy Spirit of God comes into your life. Let me tell you what the word righteousness means. It just means right. It's where he makes things right on the end. I said to him, this garbage shouldn't be inside of me. The fear, the nervousness, the anger, the low self-esteem, the crap. That ain't right. This book says it's not right. I believe you to make it right in there. And I believe you to replace all that junk with what? Peace. Fearlessness. No anxiety. No worry. And throw in the joy too. Our Holy Ghost is pure joy. Well, that's what it means to prosper on the inside. The Spirit of God comes in here and all the garbage and all the crap, you don't need 90 years of counseling and all the childhood crap is taken out. He heals your heart and leave. And there's a quietness and a joy in there. That's the inside. What's the next one? In inverted order, health. Let me make an announcement. He's the God of health. Well, at the time I read that I weighed 310 pounds, cholesterol through the roof, blood pressure high. So I said, all right, I'm gonna go get me a fudge brownie and you make me healthy. I'm gonna sit right here and eat this brownie while you make it. You got it, not how it works, dear one. But I said to him, 
I trust you. I'm going to do my part. You're going to do your part. I'm 120 pounds lighter. My cholesterol is under 100. I do not have high blood pressure. I give high blood pressure now. (laughs) And I enjoy it. And then I read this one. A lot of people people choke on the big one there. The other one, I want to be successful in everything I do. I want my marriage to be great. Well, we're just, we're getting by. I don't want to get by. I got one life and I don't want to just get by. I want to do what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter three. Live joyfully, young man. Well, this doesn't apply to me anymore. Live joyfully, young man, with the wife of your youth that God has given you all the days of your life. I want to enjoy that woman. I mean, I want, I don't want to just, life for supper, let's go to Walmart. Boy, that's, that Hallmark's looking for you, Doc. I want to have a great relationship with my children. I want them to adore me. I want them to trust me. And I want to walk with my kids. And I want to be a blessing to them. I want to have the greatest friends in the world. You said, man, your list is long. Yeah. I got one life to live. We need to get with it. I want to, pro- by the way, you want to prosper in relationships more than anything else. What's life if it's not relationships? What's the profit of man to have a Ferrari if you can't have a, can't have a friend? Relationships. Then I want to prosper in my occupation. I don't want to hate going to work. That's where you spend the majority of your time. Listen to me. I want to thrive. I want to whatsoever my hand finds to do with all my might and delight in your labor, which is the gift of God. Eat your bread, drink your wine, and enjoy your labor, which is the gift of God. I want to enjoy my work and I want to be good at it. And I want to be successful. And I want to bless people in it. What's the third one that we're looking for? If I'm a follower of Jesus, I need to help people. I want to be a blessing to people. I want to encourage people. I want to, I want to help folks somehow. I want to feed people. I want, to, I want to help people. But bless God, sometimes I can't even help myself. But you know what I'm believing? God tells the truth. And it was like he showed me the stars and said, that's what I'm going to do for you. When I read that verse and I said, amen. We got to quit trying. To, we got to pull these dreams back out and dust them off and say, I believe you. We got to be a people of faith and trust him that he'll do exactly what he said he would. And all this stuff. Let me ask you a question. If he were to come to you and uh, say, <clears throat> what do you think he'd say if he came to you? Saw what you did. <laughs> no, he's not the Baptist preacher. He's God. <laughs> what do you think he'd say to you? According to the Bible, you know what he'd say? What we're looking at today, he'd say, what you going to do for you? Mm. So, I just think you're greedy. Call it what you want to. I call it faith. God calls it faith. What if he were to ask you that? I'm just think about it a second. If he came to you, by the way, he's really good at this stuff. If he came to you and he said, what do you want me to do for you? I'm going to reward you. And then he waits when you speak. What would you say? I want a Ferrari. You're dumb than a brick. Number one, you probably can't get in it. You got to fold up like a collapsible ruler to get in a stinking thing. I got a friend bought one. The oil changes are $550. You want that? You don't want a, a, a little Ferrari? That's all you want? Why don't you go big, Doc? Why don't you tell him I want a real friend? Why don't you tell him I want my family to do great? I want our family to sit down and get along and enjoy each other. I want us to laugh in this house again. Why don't you tell him I want to sleep good at night? I want to lie down and your peace shall be, your sleep shall be sweet for the Lord shall care for you. 
I want to be successful in what I do. Make me good at this stuff. Why don't you go for the big stuff? Tell him, I want to change the world. We worry about making the bed up. Change the world, doc. Most of the world's children that die, die because they can't get clean water. It's right under their feet. Why don't you tell them to let you be the one that makes it happen? He said, Brother Brown, I'm a, I didn't even graduate from high school. Let me point something out. Let me point something out in case you've never read the Bible. Who are these people in the Bible? Who was Abraham? He was a farmer. He'd never accomplished anything. He wasn't a leader or a ruler. God said to a man one day, I want you to go face the most powerful man in the world and you tell him, you tell him you're taking his slaves and you're going to build a nation. Go tell him. Go tell him. You know what that man said to God? Y'all never read this? He wasn't scared. Don't remember I can't talk? You don't remember he stuttered so terribly nobody could? You, that's who you'd send to talk to the world's most powerful man? Find me somebody else, Gabriel. What's he trying to tell you here? He takes the last person on earth you'd ever think, and that's who he changes the world with. David, his own daddy said, I got eight boys. One of them won't never amount to nothing. Guess who it was? God said, that's the one I'll make the greatest leader that ever lived out of. You gonna call Simon to lead the greatest enterprise in the history of the world, the church? If you can get him to keep his knife in his pocket and quit cussing, that's who you're going to call? What's he screaming at you right here? Quit letting a devil in hell tell you you're not qualified, you're not capable. I only call the disqualified. I only want the people nobody else wants. I took a man outside and said, I'll give you all these children. But you're 85 and she's 75. That ain't old enough for me. Let's wait a while so they'll know it was me. Where did we get this pathetic, puny little God we're dealing with today? Let's go back to the God of the Bible who loves to do things for people. Let's stretch it out. And I'm going to say it again. If you're waiting on him to do something, you're going to be waiting until Jesus comes back, gathers his crowd and leaves again. You've got to go ahead and believe he's going to do it now. All right, let me change the way you live. Change the way you live. Quit sitting around thinking about how bad it is. Start thinking about how good it's going to be. It sounds like positive thinking. It sounds like a Bible to me. It sounds like Genesis 15 to me. Let me, let me. Let's go through it again. You missed it. He brings him outside. He says, look at the stars. You know what he was doing? He was wanting that man to imagine. There they are. There they are. Let me show you one of mine I've got. <clears throat> Psalm 128 says this. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. I fear the Lord. That qualifies me. I honor him. That qualifies me. It talks about how he's blessed in his work talks about his wife will be blessed, his kids will be blessed, he'll be at peace. And then it says, unto his children's children. In case you don't know what that is, that's grandchildren. I'm 64 years old, ain't seen one yet. Sean Greason, that gives up here singing, he's 30 years younger than me. Well, not quite. He's years, years younger than me. He's got eight grandsons. I'm 64. But let me tell you something. You reckon it's ever going to happen? What'd that book say? All right, let me tell you, you don't, I don't go, gosh, when are they going to get with it? <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I don't mess with them. Dear ones, I stand up before you. All right, let me tell you this. 
Let me tell you what I've learned about that star stuff. There's a picture in my mind. I've seen it for years. Here's the picture. I see a man with a cowboy hat on. He's walking. A little girl's holding him by the hand. She's got pigtails on. She's got her little cowboy hat on. Guess who that is? You got it. You say, well, <laughs> by the time she gets here, you're going to be a man in a wheelchair rolling her up like that. He is faithful. I mean, it's going to work out fine because I'm 64. I'm going to be as strong at 85 as I was at 40 anyway. That's in there. It was weird. Instead of sitting around thinking about why ain't it working out for me? Why don't nobody love me? Knock it off. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't, let's don't do that anymore. Get a picture of what God's going to do for you. Yes, that sounds, I can just see it now. My fundamentalist friend is going to get on there the internet. They're going to say, now he's into Eastern mysticism. <laughs> Sounds like Genesis 15 to me when God said, visualize, dream, look up there and see it happen. Abraham said, yeah. 14 years later, he's still looking up there saying, I didn't know it was going to take 14 years. <laughs> but that man is going to do what he said he's going to do. Yes. He believed God and it came to pass. All right. <clears throat> what are you dreaming for? So Brother Brown, I was, just, I was just hoping we could watch a movie and eat some pizza tonight. You got one life. Don't you think it needs to be a little bigger than that? Yeah, I didn't bring it in. You need a God book. I got a little God book. I buy them at the Dollar General. It's a little cheap binder. I write in there what I'm dreaming about. And you need to do the same thing. Why don't you, listen, go to this word. Find out what he promises. It's all in there for you and your children and your children's children great things to happen. Let me ask a question. Why not you? Why not you? Why don't he, why don't just say, well, he's going to bless me. <clears throat> the least you can do today is learn the prayer of Jabez and start praying it. Bless me. Yes. And don't just bless me, make me a blessing. Right. And don't let me tear nothing up. <laughs> and please him by answering that. Yeah. Let's start dreaming again. Faith, listen, American Christianity has become well, we can't cuss and we can't smoke and we can't chew and we got to go to church. That's some great life you got going on there, Doc. Faith ought to be, God's going to do something big for me. And you ought to be going from dream to dream to dream and trusting. Let me quit by pointing something out here. I thought we were going to talk about Christmas for the whole month of December. You didn't hear it this morning? All right, let me ask you a question, my Bible scholars. Where is, they call it the Christmas story. I call it the Christmas miracle. Where's the Christmas story found in the Bible? Somebody know? Twice it's in the Bible. It's found in Matthew and Luke. Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four books that tell us about Jesus. But Mark and John start when he's a grown man. Matthew and Luke have the Christmas quote story in them. So let's turn and see the Christmas story real quick. One last verse. Turn with me to Matthew chapter one, verse one. First verse in the New Testament. I want you to see something you've never seen about Christmas before. Matthew 1, 1 is where we start the Christmas story. Guess how it starts. Now Luke chapter 2 begins with a girl hearing from an angel. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, read this with me. Matthew 1, 1, the book of the, of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. You know what genealogy means? Family history. The book of the family history of Jesus Christ. Now let's be honest here. How many of you, when you're reading your Bible, when you get to the begats, you skip them. Go ahead and tell the truth. So I'm going to skip through the begats. Let me make an announcement. He doesn't put boring stuff in here. Everything's in here for a reason. I'm going to be honest. I used to skip the begats. 
and I'd get down to the good stuff. One day he said, go back and read it slow. I read it slow and I said, God have mercy. I had no idea this was in here. You saved the world through a crook, a liar, a harlot, and a slut. You are good to gold. I had no idea you had all this in here. He, listen, he is speaking through everything in here. But let me point something out. This is the history of Jesus. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of who? Who's the Christmas story start with? Abraham. Starts with Abraham. He's the son of Abraham. Then you got the baguettes. <laughs> all right. Do you want me to go through them all? Of course not. It starts with a man named Abraham. He had a son. His name was Isaac. He had a son. And you could go down 42 boys. Boom, boom, boom. No girls in there. 42 boys. Finally, after 42 generations, 42 boys, we come to verse 16. And Jacob begat or had a son named Joseph, the husband of Mary, who was born Jesus called Christ. Who was Jesus? Great, 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 great. Put 40 greats in there. Grandfather. Abraham. It all started with Abraham. The Christmas miracle didn't start with an angel coming to a woman. It came when God took a man by the arm and said, come out here and we'll show you something. And he said, look at the stars and count them. That's your descendants right there. Guess who was amongst those stars? Jesus was in those, Jesus was one of those stars. That's why in the New Testament he's called the bright morning star. Our salvation was there a long time before Mary heard from that angel. And just to show you his great goodness and how determined he is to bless you, he took a, he took a hopeless situation and brought the Savior through that. That's why we sing, Oh, come, let us adore him. Talking about the one who sent his, his son. Right, let me ask you a question. Is anybody here? We're going to pray. Anybody got any hopeless situations in your life? A lot of people do. Well, <clears throat> dear ones, I don't want to cheer you up. You don't need cheering up. I don't want to, I don't want to comfort you. Really more than we need comfort and we need faith. But I want to say this to you. The same God who hung the stars in space wants to work a miracle where there's hopelessness. Now, I know people get on preachers for saying that. Say, Brother Brian, you, you shouldn't get people's hope up. That's the only thing I want to do in here. What has happened that we don't want to get people's hopes up? Are you like you scared God can't handle it? Are you scared he won't keep his word? Are you scared we're going to tell you what God said and then he's not going to come through? Doc, quit living safe in the boat. Get out there on the water and see if he don't work you a miracle. Amen. We need to be a people who get our hope back up. You need to look at those kids and say, they're going to love God one day and we're going to have a great relationship and they're going to be a blessing to this world. Amen. You need to look at your own self and you need to say, I will be healthy and strong again one day. Say, Brother Brown, the doctor said, you need to change doctors. You need to go, see, you need to make an appointment with Dr. Jesus. I know you got a good physician, but he is the great physician. You see, you need to quit listening to your banker and start listening to your father. Amen. We've got to start dreaming again. Yes. Now you, you take your situation. He said, Brother Brian, said, all right, just start. If you, if you can't have the great faith of Abraham, have that baby faith. Got to start somewhere. Right. Let's start believing. Amen. I'm going to tell you, I said I was done. One more. <laughs> the Methodist ain't him out yet for crying out loud. All right. My son was, uh, he ran cross country, runner. 
He loved running. Guess where it started? He's a fat little baby. A chunky little thing. And he, he, didn't, he, he didn't walk when he was supposed to walk. I don't know when they're supposed to walk, but mamas know, don't they? Because mamas read them books. They know when they're supposed to start walking. Well, he didn't walk when he's supposed to start walking, so she took him to the doctor. Uh, Dr. Martin, I mean, uh, Dr. McFalls, took him to the doctor. And she said, he's not walking. He said, let me look at him. So he looked at him and he said, uh, I found what's wrong with him. She said, oh no. What's wrong with him? He said, he's lazy. <laughs> lazy, that's what's wrong with him. He just don't want to walk. And he said, ma'am, when he, when he gets ready to walk, he'll walk. I told her, she told me, I said, well, how can he walk? You got to put him down and see if he'll walk once in a while. I said, heck, you carry me. I wouldn't walk either. And you know what happened? Sure enough, a day came. He finally, his mama put him down. I mean, when you weigh 80 pounds, it's time to put that baby down. <laughs> I'm just picking. He wasn't no. She finally put him down. One of these days, he decided he's going to walk. He just took a notion. I reckon he wanted something. <laughs> So he got over there and he sort of got up by, the, I remember he got up by the coffee table, chunky little fellow, he's not chunky now. Chunky little, he got up and he leaned on that thing and sort of looked like a drunk sailor. And he, he's holding that thing and he sort of put that foot out there and he fell down. Mama said he walked. I said he collapsed. He didn't walk. I said. But you know what? He, he tried walking. He fell down. I said, that's it. Take him back to the hospital. Get me one that can walk. Of course not. You understand what we're saying here? And guess what? He got up, he tried it again. Now he is real resilient. I got him a pony one time named Candy and it was a, it's a, it was a demon possessed pony. <laughs> Just a little fella. He'd crawl up on that pony. It would throw him over his head. Crawl back up there, throw him over his head. Just was an endless cycle. Boom, that's what it was. I said, son, come get on mine. He won't throw you off. But he finally, and then he took two steps. Then he took four steps. Then he got to where he could walk pretty good. Then he started running and then he began to run cross country. You understand what I'm saying here? If you don't have the faith of Abraham, let's start somewhere. Let's just start believing God somewhere. And let me tell you what the Bible says. It talks about exceeding growing faith. Start right where you're at. They said, Brother, I just, I just don't see how this situation can turn around. What can you believe him for? Let's start somewhere. Get somebody who does have it. You two tag team. Do not yoke yourself with an intellectual unbeliever. Get away from them. You find somebody who can believe God say, believe me with this right here. I got to tell one more. Y'all going to kill me. I got an associate pastor one time and his family was falling apart. Not his immediate family, but his sister family and all that. And we had a fellow in our church. He was a, a mechanic. He worked on transmissions, had a transmission shop. We were in office one day and, he, and this guy was so bothered about his family. And his mechanic said, well, let's pray about it. And I thought, man, pray over a problem. I mean, why would we go to God when we're down here handling it? We've got to start praying again. Let's take it to him. So we, we got down on our knees. That's radical right there. I had some chairs. We all got down on our knees. And my little associate fellow, he started praying. He paid the, prayed the most pathetic prayer. He wasn't praying. He was whining. He was telling God how bad it was. What do you expect him to say? I didn't know that. I had no idea. Gabriel, where were we at? What were we doing? How did we let this happen down here? Don't do that stuff. Pray in faith. And he prayed for about 45 seconds. And all of a sudden, shock, that mechanic just put his hand on his head and said, stop. I thought, hey, praise God, save all of us. He just said, stop. And it, we all just looked up and he was looking at him with the funniest look on his face. He said, you can't pray like that. 
I thought, yeah, the mechanic, tell the preacher he can't pray like that. And he said to, I'll never forget, a sincere look on his face. He said, you got to have faith. You got to believe God's going to help her. You got to, you got to, he said, hey, let's pray again. Let me pray. You listen to me. I thought, yeah, preacher, listen to the mechanic. Learn how to pray. And uh, of course, my preacher buddy there, he just said, I mean, what you going to do? No. <laughs> so he just bowed his head. This fellow started praying. He started praising God that God was going to work a miracle in her life and her heart was going to be softened and she was going to be changed and good things were going to happen. Amen. And he got done. And I guess it's my turn. I just said, yeah. <laughs> Ain't no sense adding nothing to that. What are you going to do, booger it up? Yeah. There was, let's start praying as though there was a God in heaven. Let's start believing like, what do you think is too hard for him? You telling me somebody's too far gone? You telling me your marriage is too messed up? You need a new God. Get the one of this Bible. Can I do one more real quick? What you gonna say, no? <laughs> Somebody in here struggling with something. I want to help you. Let me build your faith a little bit. 20 years ago, <clears throat> 20 some years ago, we moved to this area here because we wanted to be near my, we wanted to be my, on the farm with my wife's family. First Sunday we moved here, we went to a church. A friend of mine from college invited us to go to his church. We went. I'm sitting in the service, it's pretty hip. I had a band up there and they're playing, and a guy was playing the trumpet on that stage. I really I enjoyed that trumpet. He played it. He was a good trumpet player, and I sort of liked it. And, and I remember just, I'm just talking to Jesus during the music, and I said, if I ever pastor again, I said, rather than an organ, I'd like to have a band please. And I said, and I'd like to have a trumpet in it. I just happened to this off the car. I said, I'd like to have a trumpet player in the band. I like that trumpet pretty good. <clears throat> I said, now he's white. <clears throat> I said, but I'll take him. That'd be okay. It's just black folks play trumpets better than white folks. I'm sorry. I said, but I'll take him. And lo and behold, let me tell you what happened. Six years later, I'm pastoring a church and that very man's playing the trumpet on the stage I'm pastoring. All right. <clears throat> so I, I get talking to him one day, went by to see him and I said, really appreciate you. I love you. I said, you just play that thing so good. I said, enjoy it. And I said, uh, and I remember saying to my wife, I had a good looking wife. And I said, I said, you got a good looking wife to be so rough yourself. He said, let me tell you what happened. He said, I came here, I thumbed. He said, I signed a contract with the Atlanta Braves. I grew up in Pennsylvania, signed a contract with the Braves, washed out in double A. He said, I came down here because I heard there's work here. I thumbed down to North Carolina, brought my trumpet, came down to North Carolina, said, I got a job, met this girl, we fell in love. And he said, after a while, it got rough. And he said, I, I was messed up. Said, I was drinking too much. And we just got to fighting and arguing all the time. And said, I loved her, but we just couldn't get along. And he said, our marriage just ended up falling apart and we divorced. He said, but I always loved her. And he said, I knew enough about God, about the Bible to know it wasn't right. And that wasn't his will. And he said, I believe the Bible where it said, what God's joined together, let not man ever put asunder. He said, we were separated. We were divorced for 10 years. And he said, I, I always loved her. And he said, then I heard she was engaged to another man. I saw her and sure enough, she had a ring on her finger. And he said, and I, I was just heartbroken. It was in my heart. I just knew she was my wife. And he said, I went and I just got on my knees for God. And I said, she don't even want to talk to me anymore, but that's my wife. Because what you said, you joined together, you don't want man put in the center. He said, he said, there's nothing I can do. He said, I don't deserve her. I'm the one that screwed this up. But I'm asking you, I know this is, I don't deserve your goodness, but would you work a miracle? And he said, I just kept asking him and kept believing him to work a miracle. To make a long story even longer, 
She told me, said something in my heart just started troubling me. I love it when he starts doing what you can't. Something started troubling her. And she said, I just got troubled about this marriage, about us being together. And uh, cut to the chase. She gave the engagement ring back, went out with him. They ended up married. They lived happily ever after till he died. All right, let me ask you a question. Would you think that if you had boogered your marriage up and you've been divorced 10 years and she done found her another man, wouldn't that be about as crazy as God saying a 75-year-old is going to have a baby? But you know what he did? He didn't get on the phone. Then was get off the phone, get, off, get on your knees. That was so good. Get off the phone and get on your knees. You don't need to call them and fuss at them. You don't need to be talking to your friends. Their lives are screwed up too. Why are you talking to them? Why are you going to ask a woman who's been married five times how to be married? You're nuts. Get off the phone, get on your knees. And he said, God worked a miracle. He said, I love that woman. He said, she tolerates me. I love that woman. And he said, we got the greatest marriage, but it took a miracle of God. When did he not become the miracle God anymore? Are these just stories we're supposed to read and say, yay for them, bad for us? Get off the phone, get on your knees and start telling him what you want. We used to sing an old song years ago. All right, I'm closing. It's proof. Bible's done. Back when we used to sing them dumb, chinky little choruses instead of these sophisticated songs we sing now, we used to have a song that went like this. Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. Oh, we got Jesus on the main line. Tell him, come on, what you want. Y'all have heard this? Tell him, tell him, tell him what you want. Yes, sir. Now, if your body needs healing, you need to tell him what you want. <clears throat> Excuse me. I didn't mean to get all excited and get back in the 1950s. <laughs> tell him what you want. When he says to you, I'm your exceeding great regard, reward, tell him, what are you going to do for me? And then you open your heart like Abraham did and pour it out there and tell him, this is what I want. This is big. I can't do it. But I've heard you're a God who can do this. And I've heard you're faithful. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you. I didn't hope I didn't put you out on a limb today. I praise you that your word is true. I pray you speak to every person in this room and tell them he didn't make that up. Everything he told you today came straight out of my word. That's me talking. I want to praise you that you're that good. If my children were hungry, I would pick up cans on the side of the road to feed them. You're better than that. You said, call you father. If my marriage were in trouble, if my, my, one of my kids, if their marriage was in trouble, I'd do everything in the world to fix it. There's not much I can do, but I'd do what I could. If one of my kids was suffering terribly physically, I'd lay down my own life to help them. You're better than that. There are people in this room that have needs, they're hurting, their dreams have been crushed. They don't dream anymore, they just survive. God have mercy. Raise life back up for people. Let them start dreaming again. Let them do like you did with Abraham. Tell them this is you. You're the one who said, see it. Look at it in your mind. Look at the stars. See it. See them kids doing well. See yourself healthy. See yourself a blessing to people. So look at that business and watch it grow. See things happen. This is what your word teaches me. I praise you and thank you, Father, for your goodness. Raise hope in every heart in here. 
Why, why do we not want to get people's hopes up anymore? If we don't have hope, how can we have faith? I pray as you raise hope in people's hearts. I pray you say to, like Abraham, the one big thing people want in their hearts more than anything else, tell them, come with me and let me show you what I'll do. I pray people pray for something big and then hear your promise. And even if it takes a little longer than they had planned, know that that man tells the truth. I praise you and thank you. Thank you that we're not abandoned to struggle through till you get back. We're going to live abundantly. And I thank you for your blessing. I declare over this entire crowd that they will prosper in everything. They will be in health. Their souls will prosper, as your word said. And now the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face to shine on you and be generous to you. Lift up his smile on you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.